0: When her son found her in the bathtub in a pool of blood, her hands and feet were tied up, and yet he immediately assumed she had done it to herself. Before it was all over, there would be bribery, a jailbreak, and a defiant billboard outside the police station. This is the true crime story of Jill Halliburton Sue and the mysteries surrounding her death. Hi friends, I'm Katie, and this is Katie Does Crime. Thank you so much for joining me today, and if you have a friend who loves true crime, I'd love it if you'd share one of my videos with them. Today's case actually comes as a recommendation in my comments section, so thank you for the idea. I'd love to hear about other cases you'd like me to cover. On September 7th, 2014, 59-year-old Jill Halliburton Sue and her husband, Nan Yao Su, returned home to their gated community from two weeks vacation in Malaysia. The next day, her son found her in their bathtub in only her underwear, face down in a pool of blood. She had multiple stab wounds, over 20 of them. Her wrists were tied up by her chest with the belt of a robe. Her ankles were bound together by an electrical cord. Justin Su, 20 years old, told the 911 dispatcher, my mom killed herself. She just stabbed herself and threw herself in the bathtub. Husband Nan Yao Su had left for work that morning and son Justin had left for college classes, but Nanyao happened to check their Fort Lauderdale area's home security feed while at his job as a professor at the University of Florida. He saw a man with a mask or a towel or something over his face in the living room and called his son to go check on the house instead of calling the police, but okay. It was then that Justin found his mother and please tell me in what world you find your mom with her hands and feet bound and assume she killed herself. But again, okay. The police, of course, automatically assumed that the son had something to do with the murder, but a glass door to the backyard pool was found broken, and bedroom doors in the $2.1 million house looked like they'd been opened, as if from a burglary. Suspicion was lifted from the son when authorities found DNA on a belt and a knife in the house that belonged to someone else entirely. His name is Mucci Rosillas, born September 12, 1994, He's 28 years old today, but CBS News reports that he's been arrested six times for charges ranging from murder to grand theft, and the many burglary charges on his rap sheet date back to when he was 16 years old. His last known address was about 25 miles away from the Sioux home. His half-brothers said that they grew up on food stamps and his mom's best job was at Walmart, so the two sold candy and washed cars on the street to make ends meet. Rozilla said in court that he would never take a wife and mother, that he'd already spent seven years in jail and became reflective during that time. He said that he doesn't possess the hate and rage it would take to stab someone 25 times. I would never take a wife from her husband. I would never take a mother from my child. They alleged 25 times Mrs. Superstab. That's beyond my comprehension. I don't possess the hate, rage inside my heart to commit such a heinous crime. But the court of public opinion isn't on Rosilis' side because, in July 2016, he made a break for it at his pretrial hearing. That day, the 21-year-old used a key to unlock his shackles, jump over the jury box wall where he was being held, run from the fourth floor of the courthouse down some stairs, and jump into a waiting car driven by his girlfriend. He had left his jumpsuit behind and was wearing a t-shirt and shorts. Hashtag run trended on Twitter, until he was apprehended in a motel near West Palm Beach after a six-day manhunt. It's at that hearing regarding Rezile's death penalty status that he escaped and was caught hiding out at a Days Inn in West Palm Beach. Surveillance video caught the man charged with first-degree murder run out of an unlocked door at the Broward County Courthouse after he broke out of his handcuffs and shed his jail attire. He says he tried to escape, of course, because he wasn't guilty and needed time to gather evidence about his case. But the phone found in his motel room shows no sign of him attempting to do any such thing. He was actually busy watching adult videos. It turns out that a fellow inmate had helped hold their waist chain just right so that he could unlock the restraints with his key. Twin teenage cousins of his planted inside the courtroom coughed into a cell phone to let the getaway car know Rosillas was on the move. He worked on the escape over three-way phone calls that a pregnant teenager helped facilitate and a cousin brought a wig and colored contacts for use as a disguise after the escape. A guard at the jail, who was Haitian like Resilis and maybe felt a brotherhood with him, provided the key to the shackles. It's believed that someone called in a tip that led to his capture in exchange for the 50K reward. All seven accomplices involved in hatching the escape plan were arrested in 2016. But then, in 2017, authorities arrested nine more people in a racketeer influenced and corrupt organizations, better known as RICO, takedown called Operation Rico Suave. Dad joke. One of the officers at the jail where Rosillas was being held reported to his supervisors that Rosillas tried to bribe him into handing over a cell phone. Rosillas promised that he would be a millionaire when he was released. So the FBI got involved, and the officer did give him that phone, but it was wiretapped so they could monitor his calls and texts. He said, I gotta get in touch with my witnesses so they know what to say when they testify. Good thinking. From about 1,200 calls and texts, police discovered that Razillis had convinced people to blame someone who had died for committing the Jill Sue murder, blame someone who had died for planting Razillis' DNA at the Sioux home, and alter his Facebook timeline so it looked like he was out of town at the time of the killing. For those crimes, Rosilis was facing another 37 new charges on top of the, you know, murder one. All of these could be used in conjunction at the trial to have an easier time getting a conviction, the local sheriff said. Now, Rosilis said he's innocent and that the arrests were all part of a conspiracy to pay him back for his little jailbreak incident in 2016. He wrote a letter to the judge in this case asking him to not take it personal, but didn't have faith that it wouldn't be held against him. He'd basically made a mockery of the county sheriff's office, and he said they wanted to be petty about it by arresting his friends, his girlfriend and her mom. In fact, Rosillas' whole defense is that the powers that be are railroading him into taking the fall, and I'll admit it's a compelling story for a number of reasons. One, Jill Halliburton-Sue was from the famed Halliburton Oil Company family. Her great uncle founded the empire, which is now best known for fracking, back in 1919. When he died in 1957, it's reported that he was one of the 10 richest Americans. And Jill was well-regarded in her own right, respected for the volunteer hours she spent recording audiobooks for the blind at the Insight for the Blind nonprofit in Fort Lauderdale. Jill Halliburton met her husband, Nan Yao Su, while studying abroad in Japan, where he had grown up with his Taiwanese parents. She graduated from Michigan State, and he earned his Ph.D. in entomology at the University of Hawaii. He became an internationally recognized expert on termites, and she was a folk artist and a homemaker who raised their daughter and son. The family had status. Two, Deontay Rosillas' younger half-brother said he's not the type to murder someone, that he's never even fought someone. The first time Razilis tried to commit a burglary, he ran from the house when he thought someone was inside. It's quite the journey from running away in case someone might be inside to breaking in and stabbing a woman 25 times. Three, the Sioux family had installed the surveillance cameras in their home before their trip to Malaysia with a 30-day trial subscription. You know, the surveillance feed that Jill's husband checked from his work computer on the day of her murder. Well, it turns out that the trial just happened to end right around the time that Jill was killed. So the surveillance company deleted the footage of the intruder inside the home that day, Which, of course, they had every right to do, but wow, what a terribly inconvenient coincidence. Four, a lot of things don't look great for the Sue's 20-year-old son, Justin. He lied to police at first and said he was at school when his dad called and asked him to go check on the house. He later had to admit that he was sleeping in his car in the school parking garage. The knives that were used in the murder both belonged to the son, and one was given to him as a gift by Jill. And the knife that was found in the bathtub with Jill's lifeless body didn't have Deontay Resilis' DNA on it. It only carried the DNA of Jill and her son. The police officer who arrived first after the 911 call said the son seemed nervous and distraught, although I don't put a lot of stock in how people should or should not act after the death of their mother. His shirt was covered in blood, but he said it was because he gave CPR to his mom when he found her. The problem was that his lower half was completely clean, which made the police captain suspicious that he may have tried to change clothes before they arrived. Five, when Jill's husband called the police to report her murder, after of course calling his son first, he sounded weirdly calm to some. And again, I'm not going to say that anyone should be expected to sound a certain way after just finding out that his wife is dead, But one article I read in a local newspaper put this piece of information right after a little tidbit about how Jill's will left her entire estate to her husband, insinuating that he had a lot to gain from her death. But every indication is that their marriage was a happy one and that Nan Yao Su had a sizable estate of his own. However, the son had an alibi that police believed and let him go after 13 hours of questioning. When Rosilis' DNA was found on the knife just outside the front door and the belt just inside, the son was off the hook completely. In four other criminal cases, authorities found Rosillus' DNA inside homes he was burglarizing, so this wasn't a new thing for him, and he can't explain how his DNA would have gotten inside the home. Investigators also say that his cell phone was pinging towers in the right area, that gated community, on the day of the murder. The prosecutor believes that he didn't expect to see Jill that day. She had been on vacation for the past two weeks, of course, and Rosillus felt that he had to kill her once she saw him. At a trial in December 2021, the jury decided on a verdict of manslaughter, and that was that. But then the forewoman, who was mixed-race Puerto Rican, said she felt pressured into not voting for the murder-one verdict that she felt was appropriate. She said three of her fellow jury members didn't want to sentence a Black man to life in prison, and she went along with it. But when she supposedly saw the defense team cheering and patting Rosillas on the back in congratulations, She decided that she didn't want to create a world for her children where someone could get away with murder based on their skin color. A mistrial was declared. Then, in March of this year, Resilis went on trial again, and this time, he was convicted for real. The jury took two days to deliberate, and although the death penalty was on the table, the family said Joe wouldn't have wanted that for Resilis. He's now serving life in prison for murder in the first degree, although he maintains his innocence and will appeal. He became a father while in prison and says he's never been able to hold his daughter. The only person on the entire planet that knows the last words of my mother, that psychopath right there. Sue's son, Justin, did not hold back addressing Rosillas. He's the one who found his mother after she was killed. He described her as everyone did, a kind, generous woman who lived her life to help others, saying she would have even helped Rosillas had he asked. She would drop everything she was doing and just made a whole plan to try to figure out what's wrong with you, how to help you. That's the type of person you stab 25 times to death. Deontay Rosillas has a lot of support behind him from friends and family who believe that the DNA wasn't handled properly, that there wasn't enough evidence tying him to the crime scene, that it doesn't make sense that he would break in and commit this brutal murder but then not steal anything. Outside of the county sheriff's office, a hashtag Justice for billboard went up that showed photos of both Jill and Deontay and asked, Who murdered Jill Halliburton? Who framed Deontay Resilis? It calls them both victims. And whether or not you think that Resilis is actually guilty, it's really smart for them to frame it this way, where not only is someone potentially being blamed for a murder he didn't commit, but a woman's killer is still out there. Now, a couple of things don't sit right with me in this case, like the 911 call from the son where he immediately claimed that his mom had killed and thrown herself into the bathtub. It seems so strange to me that this was his first assumption. But I did read that Justin changed his thinking during the 911 call, realizing that his mother probably didn't kill herself if her hands were tied up. He said he didn't realize at first that things in the house had clearly been rummaged through, but it became clear to him as he described the scene to the dispatcher. And it does make sense to me that he would have been traumatized by finding his mom's body and wouldn't have been thinking clearly. The other thing that really interests me is that Jill's husband just happened to be checking the house's surveillance system at the moment the killer happened to be inside the house. You know, Did he just check the footage all the time just for fun? And if he cared so much about the feed in that case, then why did he let the free trial with the security company lapse? On the other hand, He and Jill had just come back from two weeks of vacation, so it makes sense that renewing the subscription could have slipped his mind. And of course, there's the fact that Rosillus made that courtroom escape and tried to bribe others into helping him make up an alibi. It doesn't look great for him, but I know that desperation sometimes impairs judgment, so I'm dying to know what you guys think about this. Is there some sort of conspiracy at work here, or are you inclined to trust the DNA evidence? Do you think that the simplest explanation is the most likely? Thank you for tuning into my podcast episode. I'm just a true crime fan like you are, and I really appreciate you taking a chance on me. Please subscribe and tell a friend if you like spending this time together. You can also find me on YouTube in the flesh by searching Katie Does Crime.